I don't think I ever started our podcast with UCD as our main mention. But the students must be still fuming after we were robbed of three points on Friday night. Referee Ray Matthews had a bit of a stinker. The fella in the green and one short. The fella in the green and one short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Athlone announced some interesting plans. UCD must be still reeling after Friday night's game against Sligo Rovers and is Pyro seeing its last days in the League of Ireland? My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined, as always, by Nathan Doyle. And Nathan, I don't know if you've seen the game on Friday, uh, but I, I switched it over. I looked at a couple of games on Friday night. I said, right, that looks interesting. I looked at the Shells game and I looked at the... The Dundalk game and, and they just weren't catching me for some reason. UCD and Sligo caught me eye and it was a great game. But I thought the referee let them down badly. What did you see of it? Yeah, yeah, gonna have to fill us in there a bit, mate. I obviously Friday night, a bit busy being in Richmond Park myself. <laughs> but um looking at some of them, yeah, like look away from the referee in performance. UCD getting off to such a such a positive start away from Dundalk with that one all draw in the opening weekend. And then here against Sligo Rovers, where you're thinking, you know, the positives of maybe a home, fourth home game, could he nip three points or get another draw? Like the fact as well that he went uh, a goal up twice and just couldn't manage to hold on. Obviously, Max Matt, Matt, Matt was the man at the moment, picking up uh, a hat-trick. We questioned Sligo Rovers a lot of where's that, where them goals going to come from without Aidan Keane? Where's that bit of creativity going to come from? In fairness to Matt, he's looked really sharp, hasn't he, in the first two games. I thought he put in a decent shift against Shamrock Rovers um, in their opening game, the showgrounds, and obviously to grab three goals here, uh, it's a major clue for him. It couldn't have asked a better start for him personally. But uh, yeah, fill us in, mate. What, what was the, uh, the, the, the uh, Ray Matthews hell like? Uh, because I'm sure this isn't going to be the first of a uh, League of Order referee in the state when we talk about uh, in this calendar year. No, absolutely not. It, it, listen, Matt has got a hat-trick because Ray Matthews gave him two goals. That's basically it. So I wouldn't be getting too over overrun by how Matt uh, did or, or played because I thought he was fairly average and uh, I didn't see that amazing about uh, Sligo even going forward. They got two penalties. One penalty was from a shot that was at point blank range and hit the, I, I, I can't remember it, to two lads now who, who were punished for their non-fouls, if you want to call it that. But it hit the, the defender straight in the hand from about three yards, gives a penalty straight away. I was baffled that the UCD players weren't all over the referee, but in fairness, they weren't, and they, they stuck that penalty away. And the next one was a tackle about a yard and a half outside the box. And it was blatant from... from I didn't have to look at any replays, anything like that, and pointed straight to the spot. Second penalty, again... There was nothing from the UCD players. I just put that down to inexperience. Uh, I, I'd, be, I'd be fuming. And of course, we're looking at the replays back and the commentators are talking about the UCD commentators now. But they were very nice about it as well. Yeah, it was outside the box, but, you know, the referee's given a penalty. And I said, God, UCD, come on, get your act together here. Where's the bite? Where's the, you know, get a little bit angry. You know, you can't go on through the season like this. It's just going to be the way it is. But they were robbed, absolutely robbed. And I thought that UCD overall, for me, they were the better side. And it's they've, what I've seen to them so far, it's made me think about how 
I've predicted where to finish, which is bottom. Now, the season is a long time away and, and a few defeats under your belts and you lose confidence, but they've started off flying, Nathan. Was there anybody in the UCD setup, Roy, that you sort of looked at and thought could be, could have that little bit of bite, a little bit of quality that might drag them out of that uh, relegation uh, playoff spot or they're just the automatic relegation? You know, a lot of going into the season, a lot of talk of, like, of the club captain. Jack Keeney, but with him being so defensive, you'd imagine, you wouldn't imagine he'd be the one that's going to you know, provide them crucial assists or them crucial goals. So, did you see anything in the 90 minutes that you watched? Well, let's put it this way UCD are, are, are work hard as a team. It, it, there's not too many that stand out a, a lot. Kinsler Bishop up front, decent player, scored a goal. Um, young Norris up front, a really good player. But it's a real. It's a. They're good. They're good footballers. They knock the ball around really well. They work hard. They get back into their shape, and they attack well. They and, and support each other well. So when they're attacking, maybe on counter attacks, that they're not left isolated, and and they do get the the midfield up to support them out. And there's two, three players up there to support them out. I was I was just impressed with them as a team in general. Um, I could easily turn around and look at Sligo and, and say, yeah. I wasn't overly amazed by what they did as well. Will Fisherell did a couple of dribbles. Bulger was decent. Um, you know, Pineacker I like as a defender, but Mata scored a couple of penalties. But, you know, I wasn't over o- overly blown away by Sligo Rovers and uh, as and as individuals or as a team. But I didn't think Sligo were terrible now. Don't get me wrong. I thought they played fairly well, but I think I, I expected more from them. That's all. Yeah, I know you were even saying after the Shamrock Rovers game, mate, that you weren't overly um, mad about them. I thought he played fairly well, especially when he went down to uh, when Shamrock Rovers went down 10 men with that ridiculous Pico Lopez sending off. But I thought he had a little bit about them. Uh, I suppose moving on, Roy, one thing we didn't really talk about last week, and you probably should touch on now at one stage, is uh, the fourth division. Yes. There was a couple of uh, couple of uh, fun stories going into the fourth couple of weeks, isn't it? That being um, the two leading pack, uh, invo- well, the four leading packs, sorry, the, the four sides currently on six points, but the fourth two leading the way at Lone Town and Cove Ramblers. <laughs> what I the know, hell do we Cole know, Nathan? Huh? Well, no, no, don't you start because I tipped Cove Ramblers to do well this season, so you know, your boy's already coming up trumps. But uh, <laughs> at Lone Town, yeah, definitely. Look again, we're just going to have, we're taking a bit of light here, you know, we're two games in. Are they going to be there to the end of the season? I wouldn't imagine so. But good start for the two sides, especially um, looking at, at Lone Town, uh, starting off teams with a, a 3 1 uh, away victory to Longford on the opening day of the season, and then 3 1 once again, the fourth home game against Dave Rogers, Finn Hearts. Yeah. So, yeah, no, this is Lone a bit later, but good, good start for the lads. Well, as, as much as we kind of talked. Those teams down, Cove, you didn't, but as much as you talked those teams down, we talked Finn Harps up and they haven't started very well uh, under uh, Dave. Now, listen, there's it's the start of the season, things happen, you know, you go on a run of games, you could, after 10 games, Finn Harps could be top of the league, you know, so it's, it's not the end of the world at the start. But you kind of are looking for them to get a couple of results in the, in the first couple of games. Uh, with Kerry against Bray, Bray seemed to be they seem to be just a little bit different now compared to last year, don't they? Yeah, but I think you couldn't have expected that to go as bad as they did last year, Roy. Even the quality of player that they have this year, you know, like last year we talked about the squad and everyone talked about the merger between the Zev and Kevin Teeley and the squad depth that that's going to bring and this, that and the other. But at the end of the day, 
a lot of them players weren't even up to fourth division level. So yeah. that, like they weren't anything else at all. So they recruited where we talked about the recruitment in the off season. Bring in, you know, your Dave Webster's, your Chris Lyons, uh, your, your Dave Matthews for that little bit of experience, that little bit of guidance and leadership that we were badly, badly missing uh, throughout last season. So it, it couldn't have went any worse for them. Have a, a young, positive coach and Ian Bryan at the helm now. I'm still interested to see what, what, what um, having a, a Pat Devlin there just sort of behind the scenes, what's his role going to be? Will he still be pretty overly hands on? Or will he keep Ian Bryan to it? But no, look, picking up a three-one win at home to Kerry, which I'd expect. But I suppose this is a story in itself, for isn't it? Kerry FC getting their first League of Ireland goal. Yeah. Um, Le- uh, Leon, uh, G- 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 going to have to help me out that second name, right? Uh, uh, Gahak G- or something, Gasha, Gasha, Gasha. Here we go. Is the ex? Yeah. Is the exile the kind of? I don't know, but anyway, oh, Leo. Yeah, we'll go with Leo. Leo, <laughs> Leo, yeah, yeah, Leo. Sorry, Leo, big man. Uh, we we'll have your name down to the team in about a week or so. Yeah. That's just me. names here from the past four years. So yeah, that's just definitely a story of itself. And probably another thing we haven't talked about, Roy, is sellouts. We've had sellouts galore, haven't we? Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable how, how many people have gone yeah. to games and it's not like even the likes of Cove Cove ha, have had their own records down there broken and it, it's it's all over the, the league which is absolutely yeah. brilliant but Nathan that's another reason why we need to get our st- stadiums up to, to standard now because if you want to keep these it's great for the first few weeks and, and when teams start to fade away maybe in the league they'll start to drop but if you can keep them in that stadium you know give them that experience that match day experience that's where we need to sort of cling them on you know make it worth our while going out on a Friday night yeah no definitely because as you said look these things are great to see it's great to see so many countries the phone so it's full. unfortunately the track record speaks for itself and these things don't last throughout a whole season so and look while like it's, 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 you know when I'm hosting an episode with the Grand Designs people don't go to stadiums to you know review the Jackson teams but it still, it still needs to be a basis level, level of comfort doesn't it for for people to come in through the uh, through those turnstiles on a weekly basis so yeah hopefully hopefully we, we continue to see talk of pre- projects coming up and not even talk projects getting green lights and going ahead because there's been a lot of positivity right? we talked about this we've actually probably been talking about this since the return of Cobra really haven't we yeah. of fans after Cobra it's definitely been a positivity around the league and we're seeing that now throughout the last off season with this new uh, League of Ireland marketing the branding has been spot on there's been a well, there hasn't been by a national broadcaster, but by the League of Ireland itself, there's been a really good uh, push in terms of social media of the league and trying to get it out there a bit more. And that's been affected by the crowds coming in. They've been absolutely fantastic over the two weeks. So, yeah, long may that continue, but uh, to, to keep it sustainable and to keep it long term, it, it, we're beating this drum every week. But I think we're, we're rightly beating the drum, and we're not the only ones doing it as well, Roy, right? to get the facilities up to a level par to, 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 to what the fans deserve. Yeah, and there's plenty who are working hard behind the scenes to do that. So let's just hope uh, any help that they need that uh, we can help them out in every and any way that we possibly can. Now, Waterford had a, well, Longford had a good draw against Waterford and that was probably good for Stephen Henderson just to make sure now he cemented that first point. Now they can build on top of that and there's a great point against Waterford. First division is going to be a really good one. Galway got winning again. And just have it for the, the last minute or so, Nathan, some results with uh, Shamrock Rovers dropping points again, Bowes top uh, again, and St. Pat's winning uh, nearly as mm. unbelievable as Cove being up near the top of the first division. 
Yeah, me two boys, Pat and Cove. <laughs> I'll be three boys, Pat Cove and of course Wexford, all uh, all doing all right towards the start of the season. Do you know what, Roy? We're going to make it two weeks in a row, okay? We'll need three words, uh, Pat's review. And for the second week in a row, smash and grab. If you have them words every week, Nate, you won't be unhappy. Yeah. Do you know what, mate? I, I've seen Pat say phenomenal stuff and get beaten. So I'll take these smash and grabs and one nil wins and decent draws all day of the week. Long may I continue because we have a trip to Oriel Park on Friday, so I'll take another smash and grab there. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Um, we, we'll, we'll move on to Atlone Town because uh, there's a few new plans that Atlone Town have decided to share with us. And for a team and a club that have been up and down, is this sign of some sort of plan starting to develop, Nathan? Hopefully, boy, because we just touched on the, the, the positivity, the very early positivity around the uh, the results for the men's senior team. Uh, we're going to talk about the Women's National League, so keep an eye over that uh, later on in the show for any, any Women's National League supporters out there. Uh, but the Athlone Women's National, uh, National League side beat Shelbourne, uh, five fallen penalties following a 2 well draw in, in the uh, the Women's President Cup over the past weekend. So things have been going very nicely for the early part of 2023 on the field. So off the field, there's been, there's been a, a nice update, Roy, and that's regarding uh, upgrade plants um, due to the increased popularity of women's football within the region. And obviously, do they want to improve things for the men's side of the game too? So this becomes, uh, these plans that were announced were um, the main part of it is going to be a new two-storey building which will go uh, in the Athlone Town Stadium at the moment on the north end uh, of the pitch. So this new uh, two-storey facility will host you know, fitness centre, changing rooms, uh, state-of-the-art canteen, analysis room. We, we, there's a lot, lot more of those people to, uh, to go onto the Athlone site. They have the full breakdown and detail of everything that's expected. Uh, there's also going to be a covered uh, spectator balcony uh, and there's also going to we're going to see a new standing terrace going to uh, the Athlone Town Stadium, which is brilliant. Uh, an application was lodged to uh, to begin all this work just uh, on the 7th of February, not too long gone there. And they're breaking up the phases, uh, the project into two phases, something similar we've seen, Roy, with those slows of overs, just to make it a bit more cost effective and to get uh, one half, one, one part of the done, then another, instead of overloading everything and trying to squeeze into the one time frame. Mm-hmm. So yes, phase one will be that two-storey building I just talked about in the north end of the existing ground. And phase two will then be the addition of the standing terrace, which will be a, a 1,700 seat uh, capacity. And will be shared by both the men's team and the women's national league team. So yeah, look, we, we'll always talk about news like this, right, won't we? We'll always talk about sides being... Um, being positive and progressive in terms of releasing upgrade plans and facility plans or uh, redeveloped stadiums. So this is just another one that it seems to be a long list, a growing list of uh, upgrades we're talking about. So whenever we get any more updates, we'll certainly throw them out here, won't we, mate, on the big kickoff because, yeah, you love to see stuff like this coming and hopefully, again, plans are easy, talk is easy. It's seeing them getting the green light and seeing them getting, you know, the proper government funding and actually, you know, going about it because we've seen a lot of talk and a lot of plans fade off so we're yeah. hoping that this is one of the plans that go ahead we need we need again positivity from around and if there's fundraising needed or anything like that everyone needs to get behind their club so there's uh, it's great that the plans are there as you said don't let them die um, they also have announced a new partnership with US based 
Vallejo Football Club. Uh, the two clubs will work together to improve the competitiveness of Atlone's various teams and create a top-of-the-range player development programme. And Nathan, it's generally just about uh, Atlone's Youth Academy and uh, Development Centre of Excellence for um, for more ambitious players and, and coaches. So this is something that's really good as well because there's going to be a, a lot more work done behind the scenes, not just your general day-to-day training or... or every other day training or whatever way at loan or training at the moment uh, within the underage levels but there's going to be probably a lot more one to one two and two three and three four and four block group uh, and team training so it's uh, tactically and technically going to be a, a huge improvement for the area Yeah definitely this is the sort of partnership you like to see isn't it where you, you can already see laid out in front of you what's the, what's the benefit for at loan town which We've, again, partnerships is something that we talk about a lot whenever we sort of pop up and just sort of analyse them and see because I always get the feeling where you're sort of a bit cautious as a League of Ireland fan when you see a new partnership develop because you always feel that the League of Ireland team is just going to be used as a as a farmer or, or a feeder system to the, to the bigger clubs that they're linked up with. So, yeah, nice to see that this is more so going down the, the coaching element is going to benefit the youth system, the growing youth system down at long as well. Uh, could have that natural pathway if, if any lads want to go over enough in terms of scholarships and stuff to the USA. So yeah, definitely, definitely positivity around the first couple of weeks uh, of at Atlanta Town in twenty twenty three. Yeah, absolutely. And we've we've thrown questions of doubt and everything at loan over the last couple of years, which is I think was deserved because yeah. uh, there was yeah, question definitely. marks over the club but this is definitely a positive move and let's hope that they, they follow through and it's a long term partnership and it benefits everyone down there now the Women's National League as you said Nate and before we go on to Hull City because they seem to be dishing themselves out left right and centre the Women's National League is returning this week isn't it Nathan and uh, as you said the President's yep. Cup is over so uh, what have we got in store? Yeah, yeah, another uh, exciting to start. It's great to have all three leagues now back in action, mate. Uh, interest, a couple of interesting games. We'll run through the opening weekend fixtures. Uh, Shelbourne hosting uh, Cork City. We have uh, Athlone hosting P-Mount United. The new uh, Galway United will be hosting Wexford. Uh, Clash of Rovers, like the, uh, like the men's teams. We have uh, Sligo Rovers hosting Shamrock Rovers in the showgrounds. Uh, and then we finish off, we have three United hosting Bohemians, which causes 11 teams leaves uh, DLR Wales, uh, DLR Wales uh, idle. So those games are all taking place uh, this coming uh, Saturday, the 4th of March. Got an interesting one going in, Roy. We're looking at some of the teams, you know. Shelbourne obviously looking for uh, three in a row, three league titles in a row. I think for this year, it'll be nice to see them gain a bit more uh, a bit more footing within the European competitions. They didn't have, only had uh, one tie last year. So it'll be nice to see them Push on and try and progress in those two. Uh, Athlone Town, as you mentioned, fresh off beating uh, Shelbourne in the Women's President's Cup. They only missed out last year by two points. So they were nipping away at the heels of Shelbourne throughout the league season. So they'd be looking to, uh, to put a stop to their three in a row. Uh, we have Pima United are all going to be there in their build. But we really had a mini raid on them again uh, by Shamrock Rovers, pipping off a couple of their... Uh, more of the big name players than the, than the star players now of the Anya O'Gorman gone to Shamrock Rovers now Stephanie Roach which is in the, in the point of her career is still a bank of a name within uh, the world of uh, of women's football and then speaking of Shamrock Rovers themselves and Galway United two new teams coming in, uh, into the Women's National League for this season so 
that's absolutely brilliant. Shamrock Rovers in particular, Rory, having Collie O'Neill as the manager. It's great to see Collie back in on the League of Ireland umbrella. Um, absolutely brilliant coach. But yeah, look, this is just, we talked about it, you know, we talked about the the new League of Ireland branding and the marketing. So just to have the Women's National League under that umbrella, it just come, it makes absolute complete sense. Uh, and just to finish up before we do move on, I don't know if you've seen, but uh, the there's been once again been a, a confirmed broadcasting deal for the women's national league. Yeah, I think uh, I seen something on this. Season. Is yeah. uh, I don't is TG and Carter got to do with it? Or am I yeah, t- TG four, T TG Carter, whatever, whatever yeah. game we want to be playing here. Yeah, the <laughs> FBO and TG four. <laughs> I don't know. It depends where I listen. If you're listening, Conor Myra, Carr, if you listen to the rest of the country, just say bleeding four. Right, sorry, uh, go ahead. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, the FBI and TG4 confirmed their broadcasting deal. This is going to be the core consecutive season that the two have come to a broadcasting deal to show uh, Women's National League games. We're going to get 12 live games in 2023. Again, not amounts to them, but again, it's more than what we probably will get with like, RTE this year. So we can't, we can't imagine it too much. But again, like the Premier Division and the Fourth Division, the Women's National League is a part of the LOA TV season pass. So uh, into the Women's National League, plenty of places that you can get uh, games on. So we do know four of the games that are going to be shown on TG4. Uh, one of them going to be on March 18th. That's Shelbourne against Shamrock Rovers, good Dublin uh, derby. Big, big game. Then yeah. We have a yeah, big game. 15th of April, we have a uh, Wexford hosting Athlone Town. Then uh, the 20th of May, once again, we have Bowles hosting Athlone Town. And then June the 10th, we have Shamrock Rovers hosting, uh, well, Shamrock Rovers B at this stage, seemingly uh, team at United. So uh, another uh, clash of Rovers, if you want to say, considering how much uh, chopping and changing they've both done in the off-season. So, yeah, all kicks off for this Saturday, the 4th of March. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on the Women's National League this season anyway it's, it's definitely shaping it to be a tasty one Absolutely and the World Cup is coming up in, in, in the summer so yeah, it's going to yeah. be uh, there's going to be a lot more interest in the Women's National League this year and rightly so Now Hull City seem to be pimping themselves about lately <laughs> Only last week we, we heard that they were looking at discussions to take over at Dundalk or even take a, a large chunk of the, the shares, 70% I think was branded about. But Nathan, we found out that they've uh, they, they've been fluttering their, eyelash, their eyelashes at everyone else in the league. Oh, that dirty up all night, are they? <laughs> the whole city on us. <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, yeah, as I said, look, uh, we got a couple of updates from that, uh, the story we were talking about last week, uh, right, that, yeah, as you said, the whole city on us looking to uh, purchase 70% majority stake of Dundalk. Uh, the first little uh, tidbit of information we would have got was before the uh, the League of Ireland games kicked off on Friday, which, by the way, we're timing. I think uh, for Dundalk to release an open letter to the fans a couple of hours away from a, a kick-off of a game. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's just me being nitpicky. Uh, the full, again, I'm not going to read out the full statement. The full statement is very easy to find on the Dundalk website or social media pages. Even a big kick-off, we shared on their social media page if you haven't seen it. Uh, but just to, to boil it down, it said that um, Dundalk, uh, the Dundalk ownership are not desperate to sell, uh, but they are aware of limitations and need partners if they are to make progress in aspects of both aspects on and off the field of the club. Uh, it said that Dundalk have been talking to three different groups, ranging from the groups being interested in just investment to shareholding or to outright ownership. 
Uh, but they do have the fans at heart and the, 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 the fans will be let in on the communications and any breaking news that comes. Uh, turns out, Roy, that breaking news, that, that little bit of news was coming a couple of hours, actually, thankfully, before we were set to record. And this came from uh, Dundalk chairman Sean O'Connor when speaking to uh, Inside Oriel, which is one of the, uh, the, the club's platforms. Uh, and Sean had to say, uh, pretty frankly, that the whole city uh, ownership investment interest is on ice for now. Uh, Sean did confirm that they held talks with, with the whole city owners. But uh, we're about to say that we both decided to put things on ice and we're not going to be going forward at this point. Mm. So, Hull City might be out of bed with them dark at the moment, but I still fancy them to be the next uh, English club to invest in the League of Ireland, Roy. As you said, they've been giving the oils to a couple of other League of Ireland uh, sites. So it was uh, believed that uh, Hull City officials were in, in attendance at Richmond Park on Friday night. Uh, for the game between St. Pat's and Shelbourne, possibly looking at other uh, alternate options. I don't know about you, obviously I'll give you the floor in a second. I think they're looking at those two teams, St. Pat's and Shelbourne. You'd imagine the alternative option would be Shelbourne. How would you feel that, uh, How would you feel if they took over St. Pat's? I don't think Pat's are really in a market, you know, that... Don't dodge, don't dodge the in, question. It, how would you feel no, no, if no, they took no. over St. Pat's? I'm not going to do that question. I'll give you the answer. Uh, we have an owner there at the moment, Gary Kelleher, that doing an absolutely brilliant job, has never let the club down in terms of finances. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be in a position happy to be seeing their owner coming in. I'm happy with the way things are at the moment. I think if you bring someone, you know, the whole city owners, they've been, they may know qualms about it. And even actually funny enough, I've seen an interview with the whole city manager, um, speaking uh, excitedly about you know the, the, the prospect of the owner talking to League of and clubs because it effectively become a feeder operation for Hull City. Mm. So I'd hate to see that happen to Pat, you know, to just go into this seemingly one-way partnership, which we'll just see, you know, the, 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 the academy system of Pat's. Again, I've been very open with this. I think Pat's has the best academy system within the country. I think it's on paper in terms of, you know, the success that he had at underage and also this has always been that positive pathway from the underage lads coming up to the, uh, to the first team. So that academy system would be ravaged by Hull City. Um, I just don't see what Pat would get out of that partnership with Hull. Bar the odds, you know, lonely as probably, you know, a bit of a good grace sort of a gift. And but as you said, I, if, I, they're, I if they're not much. willing to come in and put money into the infrastructure of the club yeah. and they're only going to, sort of, as you said, traffic players from one side to the other and, and, and try and get the best out of, maybe the best out of their players coming across here to get their uh, their few minutes under their belt, but also taking the best of the players away from saying Pats and then leaving Pats exactly where they were when they found them or maybe in a worse place. It's, it's not worth their while then going down that route. No, especially when in a position where they don't like, don't get me wrong, every League of Ireland club would, would want more and improve investment. But I think of every club that needs the same part, I'm really in a position where they're in desperate need of new ownership and new investment. Uh, look, could, could things be better? Definitely, Richmond Park, as much fun as I have for it, the old girl is it, not what, what it used to be. It, it is, it's definitely in serious need of a bit of TLC, like many other grounds around the league, but 
yeah, I, I just wouldn't see it making sense at the moment from a St. Pat's point of view. I think our boat Pat's and Shells is more likely that Shelburne could be the, uh, the alternative option. But certainly, you know, Damien Duff has been open in the past saying that the club could deal with further investment. There was talk between themselves and the Southampton owners, which has gone radio silent really at this point. Mm. So that's why you'd imagine out of the two, it would be Shelburne, but... Yeah, well, I wouldn't be clamouring for the whole city owners to come into Richmond Park. OK, right. Well, we're going to leave it there because next week we'll probably hear a little bit more. Um, maybe they'll have moved on to Scotland or something. Um, but we'll find out uh, next week. OK. Oh, Schrader. <laughs> fan question. Yeah, fan question. You know the real for now, guys. We always appreciate them getting into it. Uh, the big kickoff, social media, Nathan Doyle, Roy Shanahan. You know the story by now. Well, I'd want to shout out the email address because I still have not learned it after four years. It's the big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can get us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we're even on LinkedIn if you're uh, bothered talking to us there. Yeah, we'll be happy to talk and listen to your fan questions. Uh, helped out this week by uh, Tom uh, McNamara. I don't believe we got a question of Tom for us. Tom just said, lads, new enough listener. Love the stuff. Keep it up. Thanks very much, Tom. We appreciate that, Good mate. Man, Tom. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Keep them coming as well, pal. We'll, uh, we'll be delighted to have the questions. So, Tom was uh, sent on actually a link, which is very helpful. We don't get them very often. Uh, about the statement. I don't know if you've seen it, Roy, from uh, Philip O'Doherty, the Derry City Chairman, uh, clamping down on a lot of things, but one of them being uh, clamping down actually very hard on fans that would be caught with pyrotechnics talking about, you know, addition out lifetime bands to the Ryan McBride Brandy Stadium. So Tom's question is, uh, could this be the start of a serious rule change regarding pyro and flares in the League of Ireland? I think it's been kind of creeping in anyhow, Nathan, hasn't it? We've seen it over the last year or, or two where there's been club statements left, right and centre not really wanting pyros within the ground and fans, you know, fighting against it and the more they've asked them not to, the more the fans have brought them in. But there will become a stage and it looks like this is, is, is could be the beginning of the end where you see the Derry City owners and, and club sort of putting pressure on certain areas of the ground where they would normally use them. Um, Nathan, you're, you'd be at the, the Pats games an awful lot. Do you see them much there? I know the old shed end used to get them, but do you see them much there now? And and how do you be with them when they're around you? Yeah, so no, they're still very prevalent uh, in Richmond Park. Uh, yeah, it's, it's still a weekly occurrence at this stage. I, I wrote an article and stuff about this, Roy. I've talked about it here on the show. You sell perfectly, zero issue. Uh, with pyrotechnics, zero nerves about them at all. I think they definitely do add to the atmosphere. But saying that, I've seen them in the wrong hands of some absolute idiots. And you can see why that does go wrong in that way. Uh, look, it's always been an issue, hasn't it, with the FBI. They're always very quick to club fines, or fine clubs um, and things like that. But I think what I find strange about these statements, Roy, and like you said, this isn't something new. We, we, even coming up to start this season seeing a number of clubs but this is from last season and, and in years and years going on there's always press releases by clubs that uh, condemn them and damn them but yet the same clubs and even the FBI are very quick to uh, to deal with images and photos and videos of fans using pyrotechnics uh, in the marketing mm. so I, I, I just definitely a bit of a have your cake and try to eat it you know where 
put a state in there, but then the next week they're hyping up a big game by showing videos of the fans holding flares, which is one thing I never really did understand. I think I'd hate to see them leave the league as a whole. As I said, I, I, I would be pro to them. I, I enjoy what they do bring to an atmosphere. I think once they're sort of contained within their own area, I think now, like, like me being a fan, Roy, and I don't want to talk to you, but you know, like you being a supporter, you know, could be going out with the kids, with young families, might not want to be technically around that, especially considering who could be holding the players. It takes a split second for something to go wrong. I think once they're sort of contained within them in their own area, and if you're into that sort of thing, and you, you can go over there and enjoy it, but if you're not into that sort of thing, it's not around you constantly. It's just sort of, it's sort of within, it's one little section. You don't have to go over there if you don't, if you don't want it. I think that's sort of the way to go about it. There's always as well, I don't want to go off at times about leaving flares for the next 20 minutes, I'll keep it loose, I'll keep it quick. Uh, the introduction of maybe there's the cold flares that that be going on around European games where mm-hmm. you know they, they still back off the colour but there's no actual ignite to it. There's no there's no way uh, born off it. That could be a way to go about it. But yeah. I yeah, I enjoy them, but I just you can see the problem with it. You can see the worries with it that, you know, you could have a sixteen year old, seventeen year old having a few drinks, doing whatever else, holding a flare, letting it drop and it, it can go wrong very quickly, but it just definitely does add to the atmosphere for me. Yeah, I don't think anyone will say it doesn't add to the atmosphere. As you said, Nathan, there, there does be families and and football clubs are family orientated. Fathers and mothers are bringing their sons and daughters to games or bringing football clubs or bringing their kids over to teams over and whatever. And as you said, that idiot, and it's not always a 16 year old, it's a, it, no, it, no, no. it can be a 24 year old there's plenty of idiots out there that will won't think about the people who are around them and yeah so maybe there needs to be an area that you know a certain stand or a terrace or whatever it is that flares are allowed but you would have to you know you would have to be known maybe you have to communicate with the club that you're one of those who are going to bring them because or you have to say something to the club that your your name's down for flares and that's fine and you can come in and this is where the atmosphere will be and you know something along them lines there has to be something there I do like them and but it, it does I, I wouldn't like a, a drunken idiot waving a flare around in front of me and my child if you know if he has no sense of responsibility for where he's waving it yeah no that's I definitely do understand that side of thing because that's how we all start going to football isn't it we all go with a parent or we all we all go with some sort of guardian and some sort of adult so that's how we all just start off and there's definitely is a one tier but I agree with what you're saying there I think there should be an open dialogue between um club and supporters about how to go safely rather than just criminalising it and vilifying it because we all do support clubs in our own way for you know well my taking my fancy might not take a lot of and yeah I just think the the criminalise being passionate and being vocal and being colourful isn't the way to go about it either yeah okay right well we're going to leave that there if you have any thoughts on it do send them on to us Big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com but you'll find us on Facebook the big kickoff you'll find us on Twitter you'll find us on Instagram and uh, you you can find us also on YouTube so do have a look at that and we have uh, put up a interview with Pat Fenlon the director of football from Bohemians do go to uh, our big kickoff League of Ireland channel and have a look at that uh, do comment 
do subscribe because the more that you help us out, the more that we can give you the content and the bigger and better that we can get. And uh, we want to promote this league as much as we possibly can because it's something that we we care for passionately. And uh, we know that you do too because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to us two we just talking half the time. <laughs> uh, Nathan, thanks very much for uh, everything again. Uh, always uh, brilliant to talk to you. And thanks very much for listening. Bye.